This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Aaron McIntyre, and his name is Todd Erzin. We presume you have a name as well. Maybe one day we shall learn it. In the meantime, here's what we have going on today on the program. Pop Culture Tuesday next hour. Let's work back to front, shall we? Pop Culture Tuesday next hour. Um, the courageous tale of Novak Djokovic, who not only literally defied the entire world, defied the entire world, did so at the peak of his prowess as an athlete, and then returned like MacArthur to the place where his defiance was first engaged to emerge as a champion that then also put him in the all-time record books in his sport at the exact same time. I mean, this is, it's an incredible story. It's an example for men of this era to emulate and to aspire to. We will discuss that coming up a little bit later on in the program. For fake news or not, next hour, Dave Rubin got an invite from Elon Musk to Twitter headquarters to peek under the hood, and he put out a Twitter thread on what he saw. And of course, Musk right now is presumably attempting to create at least a singular platform of, of significance for free speech uh, via his Twitter or his purchase of Twitter. How is that going? We're still seeing some bannings. It's not as it was before, but you are still seeing some bannings. You're still seeing some shadow bannings. You're still seeing some throttling of conservatives. A lot of these things are going to get addressed in this thread from his experience visiting Twitter headquarters. So we're going to walk through it and see what lessons we can or cannot learn in fake news or not next hour. We'll do that. Speaking of censorship, Troy Miller from National Religious Broadcasters will join us about that very topic coming up here in the bottom of this hour. I mean, you, you can't win a debate you're not allowed into, for example. That's, that's the point of censorship. No point risking losing to you in a debate. We just won't allow you in it, bigot. So we'll get to that at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of those things, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by sending a message, God willing. Pennsylvania pro-life activist Mark Hook was found not guilty by a jury in a federal court yesterday. Hook was charged with violating the FACE Act, which bars individuals from obstructing access to baby-killing facilities. The charge stems from an October 2021 incident in which the Biden administration alleged Hook assaulted a volunteer at a Philadelphia Planned Parenthood location. Hook and some of his children have regularly prayed outside of Planned Parenthood for years. He was arrested in front of his 
family of seven at his home by FBI agents in September of 2022, who could previously acknowledged he twice pushed a volunteer escort outside of a Planned Parenthood location because that volunteer was verbally harassing Hook's then 12-year-old son. Peter Breen of the Thomas More Society, Hook's legal representation in the case, spoke to the media yesterday. From day one, this case uh, has been an intimidation tactic by the Biden Department of Justice. We've, uh, you know, we had put forward uh, a very strong legal case, which, which should have never reached trial. And then what the jury heard in there were, was the factual case, why Mark uh, was totally innocent of these, uh, these charges. Uh, this matter uh, is one that uh, never should have gotten the attention of the Department of Justice. Our hope here is that a message was sent to Washington, D.C. to stop this harassment of sidewalk counselors who are just trying to provide alternatives to those who are uh, facing an abortion decision. Uh, and I hope, again, this will be one of those uh, points where uh, a change is made. Moving on, it seems we have more and more examples of real 200-proof lucid insanity and what that sounds like. So far this week, we have two. We'll begin with this example. This is the First Minister of Scotland, the leader of the Scottish government, Nicola Sturgeon, being asked why she's implemented a ban on men who think they're women from being housed in women's prisons. Are all trans Look, women women? You haven't is, answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with That's here. That's the question I'm asking. Trans women are, are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is, <laughs> there is circumstances in which a trans woman uh, will be housed in the male prison estate. Because is there any the context in which a woman born as a woman will be housed in the male estate? Look, we're talking here about trans women. And I'm now asking about women born as women. Uh, I don't think there are circumstances there, uh, but... So it's different for trans women? Well, yes, and I, I'm not... So they're not equal? That is not... The, there is a risk assessment process done for trans women that takes account of the nature of the crime. It clearly, it, significant concern arises out of sexual crime and whether it's appropriate for them to be in a female prison okay. or a male prison. So trans women are women, except when they're not, but even when they're not, they still are. Again, that's the leader of the Scottish government. And then this happened on MSNBC recently. This is anchor Yasmin Vesugian. On December 30th, I woke up with severe pains, both in my chest and in my left shoulder, and it was like a tightening in my chest when I took deep breaths. That got worse when I was laying flat. I knew enough at that moment to understand that it could mean could is the key word here, that I was having a heart attack, especially because it was happening in the left part of my shoulder. I want to remind you, I run seven miles three to four times a week, or I did. Um, I do yoga. I don't eat meat. I don't smoke. I drink occasionally. Not right now, though, because my doctor tells me I can't. Aside from probably not getting enough sleep and working too much, I'm a pretty healthy person. But on that day, I was anything but. My husband drove me to the emergency room, and from there, the nightmare that has been my January began. I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of my heart, brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. I also had fluid around my heart that had to be drained or else it could hinder the beating of my heart. I was hospitalized for four nights and transferred from a local hospital to NYU Langone here in New York City. On January 4th, I was finally discharged after doctors drained the fluid around my heart and I bounced out of the hospital. I couldn't get out of there fast enough with the hopes I was on the mend. But that was not the end. Three days later, I was readmitted when I felt a flutter in my heart, like a butterfly. It was inside my chest. They determined I had developed myocarditis, inflammation of the actual heart now, the heart muscle. 
I remember being shepherded through the emergency room and wondering, is this it? It wasn't, thank God. Instead, I spent five more days in the hospital where they ran a battery of tests, adjusted my meds, and made sure nothing else was fueling what was happening. And in fact, in the end, it was still just the cold that was doing all of this, that had caused all of this inflammation in and around my heart. Donald Trump continued his attacks on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, saying in a post on Truth Social that DeSantis is a globalist. This weekend, Trump also attempted to gaslight us on DeSantis's COVID record. Florida was actually closed for a very long period of time. Remember, we closed the beaches and everything else. You know, it's, uh, they're trying to rewrite history. And finally, Gavin Newsom. Clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country's ever made. If you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, we all need to self-medicate periodically. And that's what happened while we were away. That may be the first true thing he's actually said. Uh, when we look at the calendar, men, tomorrow is February. Tomorrow is February. You know what that means. Don't mess it up. All right? Don't mess it up. Our friends over at Books, like, you know, bouquets, they will make sure that you will not. The Valentine's Day pressure struggle is real. All right. That's why you want to make sure to send your flowers from Books now, short for bouquets, farm fresh flowers. So impressive. She's going to love them. And you won't have to hear, wait, you didn't have to get me, or you didn't get me anything for Valentine's Day. Instead, you'll hear, you didn't have to get me anything for Valentine's Day, which means you really did. All right? So, uh, save 25% off your entire Books purchase right now with the promo code STEVE. We have promoted Books over Valentine's Day before, given them to my own loved ones. These flowers are absolutely gorgeous. Flowers cut fresh, sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer than some of the uh, the factory-driven outlets that are out there as well this time of year. All right? So up your Valentine's game before it is too late. Get to books.com. B-O-U, B as in boy, B-O-U-Q-S, B-O-U-Q-S, books.com, and use the promo code Steve for big 25% off savings when you do. Don't hesitate. Guys, if you heard this message, stop whatever you're doing. And go get it done right now so you don't forget. All right? Books.com, promo code Steve for 25% off at books.com, 25% off. All right, coming up in the overtime today. I saw a, a Twitter thread this morning, hat tip to our new colleague, Oran McIntyre, who uh, retweeted it, so it showed up in my timeline. I had not seen this before. But apparently, Pope Benedict, who passed away about a week or two ago, right? It was recently, wasn't it? It was recently, yeah. yeah. It was a little uh, longer than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. He has apparently published a book posthumously. And whoa, Nelly, there are some bombs in this bad boy. We will be discussing them in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. If you give, give me a little Catholic street cred, this is a worthwhile conversation, right? It's worthwhile. Uh, I wasn't particular with this particular blogger. And if you're Catholic and paying attention while very frustrating, they're not necessarily revelations to the extent that I think they're portrayed. But 
I'm glad you're talking about it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. We will be discussing it at blazetv.com slash days later today for Blaze TV subscribers. That's where you can go to become one if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber for just $10 a month. That's it to get all of our exclusive content daily without any big tech censorship whatsoever directly from us. blazetv.com slash days. Also where you'll be able to watch it later today when we record it following today's program. All right, let us get to what is inside of Aaron's montage. I want to start with the Mark Hook equipment or equipment, acquittal. Um, they got a change of venue and the, the, the jury was seated out of Philadelphia. Now, if you juxtapose this, what we've seen with all the January 6th prisoners, right? They've all faced juries out of D.C., okay? They've all had, I, I think almost all of them, if not all of them, have all had their change of venues denied in the court, Okay. Philadelphia, a very well-known, renowned red community in America. No? No. No, no. The, the, the place where they blackened the windows and boarded, up, uh, boarded them up so you couldn't watch them count votes in the 2020 election, right? Is that, I believe it was that city, correct? Yeah, also is, is, home of Kermit Gosnell. Yes, Kermit Gosnell, yes. Is, it, it, Philly, I believe, was the city that gave us the, um, that gives us now uh, quadrennial uh, election festivals where we're just going to, hey, on election night, now we know how many we need to have to come up with. I'm sorry. Uh, find, I'm sorry. Um, count uh, to get the vote total we need, right? That Philadelphia, correct? Yes. And Hook walk in, walked in there and walked out of there with a with a unanimous acquittal from that jury. Could I, could I even add more onto that as well? Sure, absolutely. I mean, this was, from what I've read, there was one juror who had to be replaced once they replaced this juror and they were able to do that very quickly, it was a very short time later that they returned this unanimous verdict. So it was not as if this took a lot of deliberation. Mm -hmm. They were pretty much in a, of one accord and one juror was basically not participating and they had to remove him or her. And so it was not it was not like this took a long time of hand wringing. It was pretty cut and dried. How bad did the Fed's case have to be? How ridiculous did it have to be? How, how obvious of a persecution did this have to be? For him to walk out of Kermit Gosnell's hometown with a unanimous consent acquittal verdict in one of the bluest cities from one of the bluest jury pools in the United States. Doesn't even really matter, sadly. You're right, but it, it, the, when the process is the punishment... How many people are yes. going to be like Mark Hulk and this attorney yep. and stop and say, hell you, we're going all the way. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the, say, I want you to use that phrase again, because I think that is a very important phrase and I you just said. I didn't design it. I think you said it before, but the process is the punishment. The process is the punishment. It's happened to me. Do it's going you, on right do now. Do you have the means to defend yourself? Yeah. Do you have the means to... to, to um, to stop them from doing what they want to do. I mean, I go back to a little more than a year ago. We're trying to film our movie in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And the IATSE union, which is the crew member union, um, basically uh, want, decides they're going to use our film to make an example out of the, uh, to, and, and figuring, hey, looking at, you know, who you guys are, you don't have the power to defend yourself. They clearly have no idea who the executive producer of the film is, the political contacts I came, I come to the forefront, you know, with, et cetera. So they, they just profiled, they, they clearly came after us, 
there was another production that had come before us with out of that out of that um, tax incentive program with a much bigger budget. They didn't go after them. So they waited and came after us. They figured we would be the easy mark to set an example that you can't go make a movie in Oklahoma and and not pay the union its grift. I mean, we, we paid our crew union scale or better. We just didn't want to give 30% of their wages to the communist union. We wanted to give all the money directly to them. The union said, no, we're not going to let you do that. So they tried to shut down our production. They tried to, they tried to make it that I'm not going to get to tell you later this week what the official release date for Nefarious is. They wanted to make it that movie never got made. They figured looking at the film's budget, we couldn't defend ourselves against the all-powerful union. They didn't know. They know now. Now they know. But they didn't know then. They clearly were looking for somebody that they thought couldn't defend themselves. That's what happened here. That's the very definition of a bully. And I promise you, the only thing that makes a bully stop is either a direct or metaphorical punch to the nose. That's it. That is it. And in a metaphorical sense, that's what was done here. But this is one of the most egregious attempts to persecute someone explicitly because of their Christian convictions, maybe in all of American history. Because it came out of the Fed. Didn't come from some, you know, whack job is taken over the Human Rights Commission in Denver, Colorado, in between legalizing dope. Let's pick on poor Jack. That's terrible, right? Yeah. I'm thinking Jack's, by the way, now he's on round four or something, I believe. Okay. All right. But this came from on high. This was the federal government, the jack-booted thugs attempting to make a statement. We're a long way from the founders sending out Geneva Bibles via congressional edict. We're a long way from that. We're not, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Hell, we're, we're not in America, really, anymore, and much of it, as this case proves. And this, go ahead, Aaron. I'm, I apologize. Th- this man is not alone, either. There were several arrests, raids of pro-lifers in the fall of 2022. What happened a few months earlier? It was, it's not just persecution, I don't think. I think it's pretty clear this is retribution. Retribution, yeah. Because of the overturning of Roe? Yep. Yeah. Uh, They're they're seething in hell, essentially. Yeah. By the way, how's that investigation into the uh, bombing of the uh, pro-life clinics coming? What bombing of pro-life clinics? Exactly. Exactly. This is demonic. This is evil. And it can't be negotiated with on any level. It can only be defeated. That is the only option. Or it will defeat you. That's the exact same mindset of the MSNBC anchor that Aaron showed. That's cognitive dissonance. That's now this one I did extreme, make up. invincible yeah, ignorance. In, invincible ignorance, to paraphrase Todd there. Extreme gaslighting of your own soul, frankly. That what she really is telling you 
is she belongs to a cult. And I, I, I say that sober-minded, without rhetorical flourish or any effect, just point blank. She literally just stood up there and told, however, you know, it's MSNBC, so millions aren't watching, hundreds of thousands. She literally told hundreds of thousands of people, I belong to a cult. And I will affirm the cult narrative even if it costs me my own life. That is groupthink. That is cognitive dissonance. That is cultic behavior. Can't reason with that. That can only be defeated. I, I know it is it's not comforting that we are being placed in numerous zero-sum games at the moment where there can't possibly be an accommodation because reality itself is being debated. I wish there was another way. I really do. There isn't. And I'm not going to lie to you. You can't accommodate that on any level. You, you can't find something else with that person you like about them. On the other hand, they have a wonderful singing voice, and that's why we're friends. You can't. That has to be defeated. That's the proverb that Paul quotes from in the New Testament as well. Bad company corrupts good character. That, you will not change that. It will change you. When you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. He changes you. That has to be defeated. Confronted and defeated. Rooted out. That's the stuff of Pauline epistles, is that clip. You can call them Gnostics, you can call them Judaizers, whatever you want to use in the term du jour of the things that they were facing epistemologically in the first century church. But that is a 21st century manifestation of the exact same strongholds and forces that can only be defeated. Don't let it anywhere near your kids. Don't let it anywhere near your schools. Don't let it anywhere near a single social institution that you need to access or you care about. That has to be just completely eviscerated in the arena of ideas. If someone will deceive themselves to the point of it costing them potentially their own lives, how far are they willing to go to deceive you? Finally, speaking of gaslighting. January 31st. We got a long way to go, man. This thing's just now getting started. Okay. You're not going to talk about winter, are you? No. Okay. No. Actually, thanks to the movie, and I'm so busy. When I get off the air here, Aaron can attest to it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just swamped the minute I get off the air here. The days are going by so fast right now that this is like the fastest winter ever. Like, I was like, holy crap, it's going to be February tomorrow. All right? So... Used to be you were listening to like sports podcasts and stuff. I, I can't remember. I don't the last even have time. time to even listen to those right now. Yeah, yeah I know. So uh, nefarious saves, I guess. <laughs> okay, but uh, I'll get a foot of snow tomorrow now. <laughs> um, I don't understand this. Makes 
I don't understand the Trump. Oh, you're and he's not the only one doing it. I've seen Seb Gorka do this and other, you know, basically everybody who is, you know, kneeled before Zod. This is the this is the strategy collectively is to gaslight DeSantis's Florida record. I, I believe that we just had an election in Florida where the Democrat tried this. And he got his ass kicked. He tried. They, they, they tried this. They tried gaslighting Ron DeSantis's record. They couldn't even win Palm Beach County or Miami-Dade County doing that. In fact, they lost Miami-Dade County convincingly. I don't understand that strategy. I don't, I don't understand. The only way that it makes sense to me, tactically, is if you are of the opinion that your favorables are irredeemably broken... And you couldn't, you can't, as a candidate, possibly improve your image at all. And so you have no alternative but to try to drive down the favorables of the other party. That's what that. But however, though, that is the decision Charlie Crist made. He made the exact same tactical decision. With, by the way, a lot more people open to that message, running in a general election. Because of the partisan break, right? There was always going to be 40 to 45% of people that just because they call themselves Democrats, there was nothing Ron DeSantis could ever do to win them over, right? All right. And, and, and Chris barely got 40%. Barely got that. I don't understand that strategy. It's going to, it's going to force people who would prefer to stay out of it. You're going to force them to come in just like when he tried this after the election and a bunch of people who would prefer to stay out of it on the right and love them both felt compelled to come out and say, no, we're not doing that. No, don't do that. That's out of bounds. You're going to make enemies of people that would prefer to just pretend to be up here and not having a position so they don't have to worry about splitting their audiences. You're going to force them with that action to rebuke you. You have, an, you have a phenomenal record as president prior to March 16th of 2020. You have already faced challenges Ron DeSantis has not and could not have faced. I don't understand. I don't think it's a winnable argument at all. If I'm Ron DeSantis, I want the entire campaign to be about my record. I want it all to be about my record. I don't want it to be about what inflation was, the difference between Trump and Biden. I don't, want the, I don't want it to be about what the difference of the employment in the private sector was between uh, Trump and Biden. I don't want it to be about what the difference in median family income was between Trump and Biden. I don't want it to be about the Abrahamic Accords and all the peace deals we signed. I don't want it to be about the amount of border crossings between Trump and Biden. I don't want it to be about Trump's record. Particularly if it's before March the 16th, I want the entire eight months. If I'm sitting in, if I'm in the floor, if I'm in Tallahassee right now, I'm thinking to myself, are we sure we want to wait until after the legislation to get involved in this? Because we can't wait to get involved and have a national conversation about our record. But let the entire damn campaign be about that. Let it all be about that. that I, I don't understand it other than these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of mistakes men make. When they think with the Southern Hemisphere and not the Northern one, and all the ladies know exactly what I'm talking about. These are the kinds of silly, foolish mistakes the Southern Hemisphere causes. And that's when it's about emotion and craven desire and release in the moment and ego 
and not about strategy and logic and thinking through things clearly. The Southern Hemisphere is always reactionary. It's always personal. It's never empathetic. It's never meta, never macro. But if I am sitting there in Tallahassee, Florida, I am begging Donald Trump to make this entire primary this year a conversation about my record in Florida. It wasn't like the Florida election was three years ago. It was three months ago. I, 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 wouldn't, I, the, I don't understand why you'd rather talk about someone else than yourself. And it comes across, frankly, as weak on a male level. It comes across as weak. He's not even in the race yet. Probably won't even be in the race for six months. That's the point. That's why Donald Trump is doing this. All right, then it's all yours. He's trying to keep him out. You're right. So he thinks he can intimidate him? Listen, one thing none of us know about it. Is it worth it to get in this scrum at the national level? You know he likes a fight. But the pettiness of the Donald Trump squabble, we all know what it's going to be. That's why Donald Trump is doing it. This is his Hail Mary to keep him safe. I, okay, I, that's, a, that's I, it. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. And I, and I would have guessed before you lost a presidential debate in front of 109 million people to a dementia patient, d- patient doped up on Adderall because Rudy Giuliani <laughs> told you to go out there and be a douchebag for 90 minutes. I would guess before you let a dementia patient on Adderall punch you in the nuts five times, that probably that might have worked. OK, because no one had ever tested the theory, really. Can you actually stand toe to toe with Trump and punch back and get away with it? We'd only seen him be the bully. No, I know. But, he but can. now, does that, he but, want but now to? that balloon has been popped. No, that's not. But does he want to? We don't know that yet. And of you know what? He, and if he doesn't want to, then he's not the guy we think he is. And he shouldn't get in the race then. So that's why that's why I said yesterday, I'm totally fine with all this. Let it all out. Let's 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 have it is, all to out. me. This is the most predictable Donald Trump thing. You ever. think so? Yeah. OK, I, which isn't to say it's. Smart or good, or I'm rooting for it. I, it's just Trump. He doesn't want him to get in. You guys, uh, you guys remember the name Bill Mitchell? I didn't know. I forgot he existed until so did last I. week. I heard when that he name since like 2016. Started, started to hint uh, that uh, he was getting off the Trump train. Bill Mitchell. Bill Mitchell wants to have Donald Trump's babies, or at least wanted to anyway. Yesterday he said he's getting off the Trump train. Are you tired of feeling like your personal data is at risk? Maybe you worry that big tech is watching you, Rockwell. You're probably right. If you don't want anyone else knowing where you've been, who you have met, what you're thinking, what you've been posting, Startmail is the perfect solution for protecting your privacy and giving you peace of mind. Startmail's, that's S-T-A-R-T, like start, starting gate. Startmail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected, and when you delete an email, It is gone forever. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep your real identity hidden online. And with just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of StartMail's enhanced privacy protection. Sign up today and you'll save 50% when you do on your first subscription year. Massive savings. For those of you like me that went to public school, that's half off. What's half off? Never mind. 
Uh, just It's a lot of money. Uh, just save 50% off your first subscription year when you go to Start Mail, Start Mail again with a T, startmail.com slash Steve. Join the thousands of people who have chosen StartMail for their email security needs. StartMail.com slash Steve for 50% off your first subscription year. Let's welcome in Troy Miller. He is the president of National Religious Broadcasters. Troy, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for joining us today here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Hey, great, Steve. Thanks for having me today. You bet. You gave a talk recently about the grooming and protection of our children. I was reading today that Disney now is going to include something about drag shows at the Star Wars experience later this year for you know reasons basically only Satan himself knows. Tell us a little bit about what you said and why you said it. Yeah, well, if you look at what's going on today, it's really pretty amazing uh, how fast we've come to where we're at. You know, schools today have moved from being places of education to really places of indoctrination. And so we talked about that. We talked about the number of, of things going on at the elementary school level of all places for, you know, K through fourth graders, where they're indoctrinated into, as you said, these drag shows that have been going on throughout the country. They're indoctrinated into to, you know, gender dysphoria. Um, they're really kind of manipulated into these ideas that, you know, even though they were born a boy or a girl, they could be whatever they want to be. And so, you know, there's just so much of that going around today. And parents that really, I kind of think parents have had enough of it. You know, this conference was all about parents getting involved with the school boards, getting involved with their local communities. And, and we're really pushing that. That really needs to happen. Parents need to look behind the curtain and see what's going on in your public school. And it doesn't matter what community you're in. I live in Tennessee and these things are going on, you know, in Tennessee all across the state. So parents were really saying, get involved because your school is indoctrinating your kids today. They're not educating them. Can I address this topic with you specifically given the August body that you are at the helm of uh, over at NRB, right? Sure. And, and behind you, for anybody who like me who can put the fun in fundamentalism, people are going to see some very recognizable faces. I see Tony Evans just over your shoulder, for example, right? Yep. One of the things that I have been, that I have heard consistently on this show since its debut a decade ago is, is why don't, as we, as we actively seek to encourage and engage and equip with a biblical worldview here, even in a, you know, in what's not an explicitly Christian media platform. Right. Why don't I hear more stuff like this at church? Why, why do I hear more about biblical application from some schmuck in Des Moines, Iowa named Steve, who barely made it out of community college than my pastor. Right. And, and, and uh, as a follow-up to that, what is the critical mass that would get a lot of our churches that particularly live in suburban neighborhoods like the one I live in to finally understand what time it is. I mean, is it going to take drag queen story time hour and twerking in the kids' faces in your parking lot, in your lobby? Because they're doing it at the public library just across the street or down the street from your campus. So, I mean, at what point would this have to, in how much, how much more acute and systemic does this have to become before we'll get into, well, you know, we just preach the gospel here. Well, they're, out, they're preaching another gospel out there, too. So when do, we, when do those things intersect? Your thoughts on those two questions. 
Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I think it has reached a tipping point. I think we are seeing more churches, more pastors, more youth pastors starting to engage. I think there was a, a period where people sort of said, well, that happens in the big city suburbia or big city urban kind of environments, but it doesn't happen in, in my town. And now it's come to really a town near you. And, and so we're seeing and we're getting a lot more questions from pastors who are saying, how do I engage in this? How do I talk about this? And we're seeing a number of ministries, you know, start to rise up and say, okay, here's here's the talking points. Here's the things you need to address. You can't just give this kind of, you know, soft sort of shoe-footed gospel. You really have to give the practical things that, that people are running into and parents and students. So not only are we seeing the pushback on, on school boards and students, we're seeing a lot of pushback. I know in my community with churches, we're seeing a lot of pushback from parents saying, hey, youth pastors, you need to start talking about this. Hey, children's pastors, you need to start uh, talking about this. So I'm happy to say that there are many members that are talking about it, but we do, Steve, I agree. We need a lot more pastors to get on board and realize that it's kind of like these folks aren't going to stop. They're not going to sit back and take your passive approach to it. They are activists. They are working hard to get this message out and, and across to kids. And I think parents have seen so many kids walk away from the faith. I know, uh, so look, our homeschool group, my, my kids are all grown up now. So my boys were all homeschooled. My daughter for homeschool, but out of their classes, they've probably seen four or five kids that have not only gone over to just the, the gay community, but have gone all the way to the transgender community. Mm -hmm. And that's a real wake up call for pastors today. And pastors need to speak about this. One of the things I've said, Troy, when, when talking to pastors individually around the country or corporately on a show like this is imagine let, let's let's I think, well, number one, let's take a step back. And I've said this for many years. I want to get your take on it. I think one of the primary problems is that we live in a day and age where the spiritual opposition that the church faces in the culture has been manifested politically in a very specific partisan form, right? And trust me, I'm not on the Team GOP speaking circuit by any stretch, all right? I mean, I, mean, I, I think Joe Biden's going to speak at CPAC before they invite me. I try. Okay. Um, uh, because I'm going to bring them Jesus. All right. The actual gospel, not the gospel of uh, uh, the GOP platform. That all being said, though, that isn't, we can't ignore the fact that, frankly, the Democratic Party, by and large, in my view, is a demonic construct. And it certainly, it certainly has enshrined doctrines of demons in its own platform. And I think because of this, there are a lot of the kinds of pastors that we're talking about that don't want to confront these issues because they, they will appear to be political. And, 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 and so we have this feedback loop where since you're not going to apply the light of the gospel to this issue, regardless of the current, current political, cultural, you know, terms du jour, then they only, then they remain strictly political. And then while they remain strictly political, you don't want to address them because they are strictly political. And so we just, and, and, and so the other side, just is, we're going to keep just preaching our own false gospel. Um, you, even if you guys go ahead and punt and stay out of this on yours. So how do we, do you agree with that, that observation? And if you do, how do we break 
pastors free of that? I mean, because I am sympathetic to the idea that, frankly, shilling for a, for a political party that literally just had about a half dozen members of its senators uh, decide right before Christmas to declare right. open warfare with the federal government on the church. Probably I've done evangelical voter mobilization all over the country. This ain't the greatest atmosphere for it right now. I'm sympathetic to that. But on the other hand, we have to acknowledge what the other side of the debate is prepared to fully weaponize government to do to us and our kids at the same time. Yeah, well, you're right on that second point there. Good, good. Uh, the, the other side is ready, willing, and able to fully weaponize government on this. We spoke a lot about the Respect for Marriage Act, or what really is the Disrespect for Marriage Act. But to go back to your question about this being a, a political issue, I, I think that's where too many people have fallen to the trap of uh, of the left on this, where they've made it a political issue, but it's really not. It's a it's really a moral, spiritual issue, and that's where past pastors have to get back to. And I, we're just, again, we're seeing a lot of pastors finally get there. They're, they're realizing that this is not happening in somebody else's congregation. These things are happening in their congregation and their community, and they have an obligation to speak to them. They have an obligation to tell their congregation to shepherd their people um, what the biblical response to this and what the real issue is at, at here. And you're right. It's This is a spiritual warfare that we're dealing with, and we, we have have to get pastors beyond that. But there's one more aspect to it that's really affected it, I think, even more in the political. I think there's some of the political with the younger, but there's been this seeker-driven, friendly movement in the church mm-hmm. for a few decades now, about three decades, which makes this kind of more of a social issue, not so much a political issue. Too many pastors are afraid that if I speak out on this issue, then an LGBTQ person isn't going to come to my church and they're not going to get saved. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the case. You really need to speak on this issue because LGBTQ people need to get saved. We had a person in my church who is a transgender person, little church in Tennessee here, 100 people. This person was, was transgendered as a female. Nobody knew it. Our pastor was bold enough to continue to speak on the truth of God in this. The gentleman heard like four or five languages, goes to the pastor and says, you know what? The word has convicted me. I realize I'm living in sin. I want to confess and I want to repent from this and change my ways. Those are the kinds of things that make people change, not this kind of affirming and passive kind of thing. And pastors have to get on board with that and understand that. Amen. I mean, what do I need to be saved from if I don't know that I'm a sinner? Well, then what do I, right. I, I don't need to be saved unless I'm confronted with the fact that I'm a sinner, right? On a corporate level, obviously you are part of an organization that deals a lot with the constant threats of censorship going on around the country. Um, right. the, the DirecTV Newsmax issue that emerged this week. Now DirecTV is trying to cover itself and, and is adding another conservative channel. The first, I think, is they, what they're claiming they're going to add a Newsmax's place. It's not a censorship issue, they're saying. It's just they wanted a rights fee for a channel that didn't actually merit such uh, a transaction. Who knows? But that that is that is kind of part and parcel with what we face on multiple fronts this day and age. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. You know, we're very involved uh, with Newsmax. They're an NRB member. We're very supportive of them. I've been in the TV industry now for almost 20 years. You know, everybody else around Newsmax is getting this kind of fee, and they're saying, well, Newsmax doesn't deserve it. The real issue is, why did we take OEN off a year ago? Why Newsmax now? How come it's okay for members of Congress to write letters to the broadcast industry, to cable folks, to satellite folks, and say, why are you carrying these conservative networks? 
networks, and then these guys take them off. I told the group yesterday in my speech or on Sunday in my speech that, look, you're at risk today. If you talk about pro-life issues, if you talk about pro-family issues, if you talk about uh, gender issues the way Bible has it uh, there, or you talk about you know, the way God created the family, then you're probably going to get canceled off your social media today. It's almost guaranteed. Even Twitter, which has done a much better job under Elon Musk of allowing these kinds of conversations and debates to happen, you still have a number of people censored when they talk about these issues and when they hold firm to them. And so it, it's very risky. This whole movement in corporate America, I also come from a tech background. I spent 11 years in the tech industry, and there's been a huge shift in the tech industry. When, when I was there in the 90s and the early 2000s, we were all about solving business problems or solving personal computing problems, help people become more productive. Today, the new tech industry, the new Silicon Valley has a whole different idea. They think that Silicon Valley, they think that this artificial intelligence and these algorithms and things you can do to influence people, that can heal society. There's, they really believe that technology is the new savior, and this is what's going to, this is what's going to heal society. This is going to make society conform and work the way they want it to work. And that's why you see so much of the censorship is because it's the new religion for them. Yeah, they really believe they can solve society's ills if we just focus people on the right information, we give them the right data, we give them the access, and we stop and limit access to the things that they shouldn't have access to. And in their opinion, that's anything conservative and particularly anything faith-based. That last part there, I think, is so vitally important. The reality is this is a rival religion. You wouldn't go and evangelize Absolutely. some part of the world where the shaman or the voodoo priest had had uh, such a stranglehold on the hearts and minds of the people and just go down there and start to evangelize them without acknowledging the, the predetermined worldview that had infected them that you have to confront right. and detach them from. But that's often how a lot of American churches preach in this day and age is that is like this is over here. And, 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 and so the, the, the worldview that, that, that your brain was scrubbed in, that you have been, you know, beaten down with, we don't ever directly confront it. And the, and the gospel is just over here as sort of this own independent intellectual property that, that then doesn't undo the, what you were tainted with coming in. So that's a great point, Troy. Thank you for joining us today. Great to meet you. We'll do it again. All right. God bless you. All right. God bless. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's uh, Troy Miller, who's the new president at uh, National Religious Broadcasters. I, I want to reiterate that last point. Because it is in the apple when Paul writes epistles. Remember, and, and there's a reason why heretical groups like the Jesus Seminar in the 90s wanted to basically eject all of Paul's epistles. Because he's putting hands and feet on, on the creedal doctrines that Christ established in the New Covenant. All right, he is applying them into very specific circumstances. And it's always in the application that division happens, not in the theoretical. It is, it's not the performing of, of, of miracles alone that made the religious leaders want to arrest and kill Christ. It is saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I am the good shepherd. Enter through the narrow gate. The application is always where there is division. 
And what too many American churches do in this day and age is no application. Or it's an application on things that will draw no blowback at all. Be nicer and and more beneficent to the poor. Completely agree. So does everybody. Their charities do that. The enemy's charities do that. The, the, the battle is hottest at the application stage. You cannot successfully infiltrate the enemy's strongholds without, wait for it, infiltrating the enemy's strongholds. You can't do it. This is, in fact, this is my big idea for the day. You can't do it without doing it. I can't be any more profound than that. The math adds up. Indeed. Hour two is next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I am Steve Dace, in case you forgot from five minutes ago. His name is Totters, and his name is Aaron McIntyre. And we can learn your name if you contact us via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's D-E-A-C-E. Also look for me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. And we are looking for you, if you like the show, to please hit subscribe or follow and or leave us a five-star review if you really like it. And thank you to all of you that have done that uh, already. If you're part of the, the growing and vast podcast audience to this show, please consider doing one, if not both of those things on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you would like a question to be considered for an upcoming Ask Me Anything, which is in a couple of weeks because I'm off this coming Monday, I'm going to be speaking at the University of Chicago Law School this coming Monday. So we will not have uh, a show. We are off that day. But uh, in a week from Monday, we'll have our next Ask Me Anything. If you want your question to be considered, it'll go to the front of the line for consideration. If you embed it within a five-star review, Todd always looks at those first and gives you first dibs on getting on the air with your questions. So again, thanks to all of you that have done those things for the show already. We are very, very appreciative. Coming up a little bit later on in this segment, fake news or not, Dave Rubin was invited by Elon Musk to take a look under the hood of the changes at Twitter. He put together a Twitter thread about what he saw, and we are going to go through it and discuss. That's coming up here for fake news or not in just a few moments. But first, let's welcome back yet again my one and only oldest daughter. Good to see you, Anastasia Hibbs. I still have to get used to that. How are you, sweetie? I'm doing good, Dad. How are you? I am. Uh, I could be a little better. Could be a lot worse. You know it is. So okay. what are we going to be talking about this week? So I put a poll on the um, Instagram. So at first I kind of wanted to do that daughter quiz again since I'm teaching one of your daughter's guitar lessons. Yes. And I thought it kind of was a good idea. But then I thought, um, so on TikTok, TikTok likes to deem a lot of parents as bad parents or overly strict parents. So I thought we'd play... Um, like, like TikTok's audience 
or like the platform itself says you are a like, bad parent. The TikTok audience like to likes to do like compilations of what they consider like bad parenting okay. or strict parenting. So I put together a few videos from those so you guys can kind of weigh in. Um, disclaimer though, like I didn't put any that I thought would like bring any controversy to you guys. Okay. Like something where it's like I spank my kids and then I don't want it to be like okay. Steve Dace abuses his kids or you know. So I thought okay. I'd save you from that for today. Right, I appreciate Let you have that. your own drama. Create I mean, it for I'll, yourself. I'll, I'll, I'm going to get accused of all kinds of other things anyway today and yeah. tomorrow and the day after that. But I, yeah, I appreciate so I you not maybe adding to it. This one I'll leave off. Okay. So essentially, we're going to play bad parenting or not. Yes. If you guys think it is bad parenting or strict parenting, and just explain why or why not you agree or disagree. Okay. Aaron, you have the clips. How many of these do we have? Three. So we'll start with um, the first one. All right. What are you going to be wearing tonight? Uh, I was thinking clothing. Do not get smart with me now. Why do you need to know? I just want to make sure what you're wearing is going to be appropriate. Define appropriate. Fitting for the venue in which we will be eating. Ah, okay. So ratty cargo shorts and a faded polo? What? No. Really? Because that's what he wears whenever we go out. It's true. That's what I wear. Also, riddle me this. When have I ever worn something that was inappropriate to the venue in which we were? Nothing comes to mind at the moment. Yeah, so let me pick my own outfit, okay? I'm going with bad parenting before a word was spoken. Because there's a demonic flag over her shoulder. So I barely paid attention to anything she was saying from the time that I actually saw that visual. So I'm going with bad parenting just on those grounds alone, Todd. Uh, Never, ever debate with your child over fundamental expectations. That conversation went on way too long. It shouldn't have been a conversation by the time that child gets to be that age. uh, If if you've let it get that far, you failed a long time ago. Is this your house or not? Failure. So bad parenting for you for a different yes. reason. Okay, Aaron, you want to rein in here? You want to? You want to? I was going to say exactly what you and Todd just said, actually. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's strike one. Then I guess. Yes, strike one. All right, here's clip number two. Oh, here we go. Because you're not supposed to have it on. It is not good for you. Outside, it's yes. not good for me. Yes, it is not. It's a mask, mom. It's a mask, and it's not good for you to have a mask on. We're in public. You know what? Take the mask off. Why? Because I said. Why? You best do it or you're going to get in trouble. No, take it off. In trouble. Take off. That's excellent parenting. <laughs> Everything she said was scientifically and factually correct. Um, it, it, the only thing I would have done differently is I wouldn't have said it two or three times. I, I would have said it once. And if not complied, I just would have removed the mask myself. I disagree. Again, this went on way too long. The best thing that could have been done, of course, this is gonna, this is something that maybe only a dad can pull off. Actually, no, it might even be more effective if a mom. I think both parents could pull this off. Oh, you're wearing a mask, honey. Cool. Let me go grab my like big chicken head mask or something like that so we can be matching. Just completely <laughs> embarrass them I like while that they're too. out and about in public. Yeah, completely like that, too. Yeah, I, I'd be okay with disagreement with me on those grounds because I, I think maybe your answer is better than mine. Todd? Well, I don't know what trouble means, and it all hinges on that. But, you know, that that's a kid who strikes me as somebody who realizes they probably aren't going to get in any 
kind of trouble whatsoever, no mm. matter what she says. Mm -hmm. Like that's time to like take her cell phone and pull out a hammer and yeah. smash it right yeah. in front of her yeah. or mm -hmm. take her car keys and, you know, flush them down the toilet. I mean, there's, again, do you, do you, I said it just to my, my lovely 12 year old. I, I, I adore her, but I, I, just a couple days ago, I said, do you remember where you live? Because you need to now. I change things quickly. You've heard some of that stuff before, right? <laughs> yeah, that, maybe that was a little nicer than what I heard growing up. Yeah. Little, I saw you kind of wince at that. I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. No, and okay. the video I didn't show that was like after that was the mom like yelling at her in the car. But the only reason I didn't show it was because there were some um, choice words that gotcha. I didn't think your right. audience needed to hear Thank today. You. Yeah, there, 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 you, just doesn't need to be said that many times. I just appreciated the fact that she was willing to say it at all. Mm. So I, I, I want it for the daughter, right? She's making a stance, a political stance. No, she's a moron and probably should have the thing ripped off her face. Actually. I agree. Okay. okay last video. All right. Last clip. Okay. Tell me of strict parents without telling me of strict parents. Oh, my time has come. Okay. Was not allowed to watch SpongeBob. Um, if I wanted to listen to a song that wasn't about Jesus Christ, I had to, write it down on a piece of paper and then my parents had to google the lyrics i wasn't allowed to go to my friend's party in the eighth grade um because all of the girls were going to go see the lizzie mcguire movie and there was a kissing scene so i wasn't allowed to watch it so i couldn't go to the party my stepdad told me when i was like 10 years old that toe rings and tank tops and bikinis were for sluts so i couldn't have any of those Never have gone to any type of school dance. I would get grounded from talking. So when we would go to church and I was grounded from talking, my friends would all be like, hey, and my parents would be like, oh, she can't talk today. She's grounded from talking. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So really quick, though, when I first saw the grounded from talking, I looked at my husband, Stephen, and I was like, when my dad sees that, he's going to be like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> with me <laughs> he's gonna be like why didn't i think of that one <laughs> uh, I, uh, the proverb says one man's story yeah. seems true until you hear the other side okay but since we don't have that information and 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 not i'm not even going to attempt to justify or acknowledge the the integrity of the presentation that is specifically given here as a general rule. However, I think that is bad parenting. And I think you are probably sowing the seeds for rebellion with that level of heavy handedness. And so yeah, I, I just, I mean, you had friends in the homeschooling community who thought we were too lenient and what we mm -hmm. let you guys watch and see and mm -hmm. et cetera, you know? So I, I, you know, we homeschooled you guys and now we let Noah, we pay for Noah to go to Des Moines Christian, not to shelter you, but to shield you from frankly demonic influences before you were old enough and ready to confront them on your own. But I mean, you weren't sheltered from the world in any 
way, stretch or form, would you say? Well, and I think the difference, though, is, too, that like when rules were set in place for us when we were kids, like they were explained. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like, why, why? And we were throwing it was more like we are setting this in place due to this Mm -hmm. or we don't want you to do this because of this. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just some mystery of um you know why it wasn't are you arbitrary it wasn't explained yeah it wasn't yeah. some random mystry that oh why are why are my parents but it was explained to the point where it's like okay i don't like the rule but i get like where it's coming from at mm-hmm. the very least mm-hmm. so i think that's kind of what we're missing too is like does she know the reason or maybe did her parents just leave that and maybe that's the problem is they didn't and i think we always had honest conversations when mm-hmm. i was growing up mm-hmm. so that it was easy to understand where things like that were coming from. i, I just think it's too ham-fisted too heavy-handed and i think you are just begging for you know you, you this is how in mo in too many cases this is how you end up raising the kid who well um you know was was behaviorally compliant and then became an adult and then became the the, mm. the White House's trans nuclear waste czar who is rifling through people's luggages at airports. OK, yeah, I think that happens in general because of being attempting to be too restrictive like this. Mm-hmm. Just my own opinion, Todd. So I think that's bad parenting. I think there's, a, you know, there are so many issues and I was just back and forth labeling them in my mind. Some are reasonable. Uh, some weren't on balance. I think I also would have given it uh, the uh, bad parenting. Uh, the school dance one really stuck out to me. Like you're not, you can't, you can't cloister your kids. That's different from protecting your kids. Like my, my, my daughters none of them had a cell phone until seventh grade way after their peers but they they a they understood the reasons and b there's enough balance in your life every every parent has to strike that balance of uh love and justice uh, mm-hmm. love and discipline mm-hmm. and it's not the exact same way with each kid steve as you well know as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. now you're you have two daughters they're not the same person no nope. and you're, you're you're sloppy if you just apply a one-size-fits-all to everything like there's the clothes hand you're my child you live here boy or girl this is how it is but then this is you you're anna you're zoe you're noah you Mm -hmm. are unique this is what you demand uniquely uh and and it's my job as a father to figure that out and shepherd you uh that way so the cell phone policy was but then each child once they got it had different rules of when they could it wasn't just like carte blanche hey there you go (laughs) when they could get there was they got a phone but they didn't have social media and then they got different versions of it at mm-hmm. different times mm-hmm. because some could handle it more than others. Some had it taken away at times. Um, so this seems like, yeah, you are destined to have your child resent you overall because you did not strike that proper balance. Mm. Agreed pretty much on all on all counts there. I, I mean, one, let's just give the most benefit of the doubt that this version of events is is accurate and true. I uh, hate putting your parents on blast, no matter how you think of them or what they actually did. That's just don't do that. Uh, but that's that's commonplace day and age uh, in this day and age. You know, um, the, the movie thing. Not allowing you to go to a movie because there's a kissing scene that is way o- kissing scene there that's way over the top. Mm. Now, um, 
allowing your 13, 14, 15 year old son to go to a movie with their, you know, there's there's different levels of this. Going to like a new American Pie or a National Lampoon's movie, not a good idea. No. Okay. <laughs> Miley, letting, uh, I mean, I don't have daughters yet, but, you know, letting daughters listen to Miley Cyrus circa, circa 2005. Well, Okay, circa 2015, probably not a good idea, you know. <laughs> so there's just, as Todd was saying, there has to be so much discernment, I would imagine, at every step of the way. And your 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 kids are not little bots; they have their own unique personalities, their unique unique um, needs in terms of, of boundaries as well. Well, and it just comes from honesty, though, too. I mean, like when you, those kids grow up and they don't know the reasons or they weren't taught from a young age to mm-hmm. have those practices, mm-hmm. then that's why they grow up to be just crazy and out of the loony bin because you never had an honest conversation with your kid about what that meant. Like mm-hmm. I was just explaining to Steven the other day, like when we were kids, like, her husband, not me. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like when we were kids and we would ask something that maybe we were just a little too young for, we would still get the honest answer, just a different version of that honest answer that was more so for our age, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. You know, and that it just comes from parents not being honest with their kids. Good conversation. Thank you, Princess. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Check out the Jace case. J as in jump at this right now. J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Get, make sure you are prepared for the next time they try to take uh, medications that work away from you to kill you. Uh, make sure you've got yours saved and stored up. They've got five venerable antibiotics, including amoxicillin. We had a shortage of that right now, by the way, doxycycline and more that you can have available to you and your family to know you've got peace of mind should they try to take you take them away and kill more people again, which is frankly what they did the last couple of years. JaceMedical.com. I don't say that flippantly. I don't say it lightly. It's what they did. That's why when I was asked, hey, do you want to bring these people on? I'm like, absolutely. We'd prefer they not get away with killing you. JaceMedical.com and get $10 off your purchase today with the promo code DACE10. That's the promo code DACE10 at JaceMedical.com. Fill out a sample form online. Maybe you might have to, probably not, but sometimes you have to jump on a quick call with one of their board certified physicians. In just a matter of moments, though, you can have that peace of mind today at JaceMedical.com, promo code DACE10. All right, so let's go to this thread that Dave Rubin was invited by Elon Musk to have an under-the-hood look at his attempts to reform Twitter. And he put his experience and what he saw in a Twitter thread that we're going to go through here for fake news or not. Dave said he spent two days at Twitter in San Francisco talking to engineers, product managers, and even Elon Musk. Said he learned a ton about what's going on. Before he shares, want to note that after a couple of hours of meeting, I asked Elon what I could share, and he said, anything that is true. And then Elon did come in at the end of this thread and say, it's all true. So, all right. Ruben says that Elon called Twitter a quote, and Todd, you will like this reference, a fractal, a fractal, a fractal Rube Goldberg machine. As they fix the code, more problems arise. A delicate balance he likened to a younger tower. One wrong move, the whole thing collapses. They're working nonstop, and both times I met him were well after midnight. I met with several engineers who were doing a deep dive on why my account and so many others seem to be absolutely crushed after that two or three week return to normalcy when Elon first took over. They still have more questions than answers, but they did 
learn a bunch of new stuff. Accounts aren't just hit with labels that are obvious to insiders. They now found more, quote, secret labels, which are cat-causing shadow bans. My account, Ruben says, was hit with all three. Recent abuse strike, recent misinformation strike, recent suspension strike. It's unclear so far what these strikes actually do, but for sure they suppress views and recommendations. They are trying to figure out to what extent. I also had many innocuous tweets labeled not safe for work um, or not safe for ads, which affect visibility in the timeline. Also, there is an entire keyword database so that machine learning machine learning makes sure not to promote violence, porn, etc. But it's a mess of overreaching words. Literally, the word gay was on the keyword list, which would make you not advertiser friendly and harm the tweet in the algorithm. Backing up for a second, they found the recent suspension strike on my account. Most interesting because it was from July of 2022 when I was suspended for for calling out Jordan Peterson's unjust suspension. So though suspension was reversed, the action on my account remained. Elon was bringing people in and out constantly and seems to be aware of pretty much every issue. He thinks maybe the entire code has to be torn down and to start Twitter over from scratch. At the end last night, he said that the whole situation is, quote, a flaming dumpster rolling down the street. So I assure you they are aware of the problems and Elon and engineers are there all night trying to untie this crazy knot. Some changes they've made, like the For You tab, have confused people and hurt engagement for accounts who have gotten the Not Safe for Advertiser label without even knowing it. They also don't know for sure why things got so much better once Elon made the acquisition and why it seems far worse now. Some is probably related to excitement around Elon himself, which also coincided with the World Cup, meaning increased traffic. But that doesn't explain why it feels so off right now. Um, on a personal note, Elon is funny as hell, laughs a ton, and it's just really obvious he cares about Twitter because he cares about free speech and the bigger problems facing the world. He doesn't need the headache. He chose it. Also, huge shout out to David Sachs, who is helping Elon clean up this mess because he believes in the fight for free speech as much as Elon does. And massive thanks to the engineers who opened up their computers and showed me literally everything I asked for and were total pros. Elon really lit up when we talked about the shifting political landscape and how anyone now non-woke is considered, quote, far right. That notion is deeply connected to how screwy things got at Twitter, and he's working to fix uh, fix it uh, despite the huge challenges ahead. And frankly, they got to get that company out of San Francisco. What's also really crazy now having seen under the hood is that Jack Dorsey, that's Twitter's previous CEO, repeatedly said, or was he the original CEO, actually? Maybe the original. Yeah. yeah. Uh, repeatedly said that they don't shadow ban. The entire machine behind Twitter is designed to shadow ban. It's almost as if that was the primary goal rather than the product itself. Perfect, perfect illustration of how crazy things are. A friend just sent this to me. Watch the retweets go up and then suddenly go down. And you can see this in real time when you click on it. Engineer, I've been working with contract contacted me this about this specifically and said there's a technical reason this happens related to two data centers not syncing and they are working on that. Last part of the thread, lots of people thanking me for the reporting and actual journalism. I don't consider myself a reporter or a journalist. I just want to say I just say what I think and I like helping good people to whatever extent I can. To which, again, Elon says accurate thread. So why, again, is this important when less than 20% of Americans have an active Twitter, Twitter account? It's because Twitter is the city gate in America. It is, from, it is where more news narratives get created and distributed than any singular platform on planet Earth, particularly when it comes to Western media. So 
even if you're not on Twitter, even if you think it's a cesspool, and you're probably right, a lot of what you see elsewhere is determined from what occurs on Twitter. So all of us have a vested interest to some degree in, um, in its, uh, its methodology and the way it processes information. What stuck out to you guys? What stuck out to me is the notion that essentially this thing had been tinkered with and tampered with to create the outcome that they wanted so often that Musk is essentially saying he's peeling back layers of an onion. All right. He's the little Dutch girl plugging holes in a dike. You plug one, another pops forth that you didn't even know you had. And in the end, they might just have to scrap the entire thing and rebuild it. Uh, from scratch because of how much it was tampered with and tinkered with by previous ownership in order to specifically suppress. But what are you guys' thoughts? This just kind of confirms all of my baseline instinct instincts from the word you say, the phrase uh, Rube Goldberg machine. Mm-hmm. The only question to me on that Goldberg machine is how much that implementation in terms of it having this sort of um, now clandestine feel was there from the beginning or happened with the onset of musk buying it because we do know from the beginning there they right away they reported like there it was basically as simple as yeah they just they didn't like you they pushed a button Mm -hmm. i think that's how it was once things really went woke now how much did they then automate it immediately because of that or how much did they say danger danger one or oh F you, we're just going to screw you when you do buy the sinks once they saw that happening. And then they started doing this right. on the fly. And yeah, that's you're you're how do you just he's the smartest guy in the room, Elon Musk. You can't just assume all the ridiculous, nefarious ways they decided to do something that's not intended to be done. I mean, they don't know where all the ghosts in the machine are. That does take a lot of time to figure out. And I don't even, Aaron's the only one in this room who probably knows even remotely. I mean, I don't know anything about this kind of thing mm-hmm. This t- on the tech level. But I, this, this does, uh, I just don't know how ultimately, um, how long this happened. Or if this was explicitly, once they knew they weren't going to have... They were going to have to sell it. Elon was going to win if they did it specifically to screw him or if this happened before that and they automated it a long time ago. And along those lines, Aaron, what's he fired? Like 75% of the workforce there? Yeah. So there's layers of bureaucracy here. How many how many independent fiefdoms were out there? Yep. I mean, how many how many, how many many of these wokesters that worked at this company that had almost no supervision just, yeah. whatsoever I, were just were just exercising their own their own um, you know, their own grift here with no oversight yeah. whatsoever and just making arbitrary decisions and so there's all forms of inlets into this yeah. code that you just because it wasn't just some seamless cabal from the top yes there was that but within that cabal Aaron down through the food chain are all these mini miniature fiefdoms of guys in between avocado toast deciding yeah we're gonna get rid of that guy just because you pissed me off today and so that's another line of code right it's like it's like watching uh, it's it's like watching he who remains at the end of Loki talk about the various timelines right okay mm-hmm. I mean that I, you almost get the sense that's Twitter's algorithm you emphasized this while running down that Twitter thread. And it's the tweet where Ruben says what amounts to the entire machine behind Twitter was designed to shadow ban and to ban. It's almost like that was the product rather than the front end itself. That was what stuck out to me the first time I read it. And I'm glad you emphasized that while reading it this time. 
Who was the uh, the legal counsel? I think it was legal counsel for Twitter that Elon Musk ended up firing. He survived the first round of cuts. Oh, that was a started with a Y. Yeah, the um, the well, no, not 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 that guy. It was the uh, CIA or FBI flack. Oh yeah, that was the former CIA FBI flack. Well, there's a lot of those that were working at Twitter, but yeah, I hear you. That is what. That's what I think this really is at the end of the day. It could be the independent fiefdoms and probably is at least a little bit of all of those avocado toast munchers. But when you have such a layer of bureaucracy, that makes it easy pickings for anybody who wants to control narrative. Anybody who wants to do that. I still remember, and I can't remember how many years ago this was, but Todd and I, one of our conversations before you got in, Todd was just like, how much, you ever wonder how much of what we see on a day-to-day basis is just complete BS? Twitter was complete BS, I think. It was, it was primarily a PSYOP, just designed to control and contain information. And, and it was yet the still the most free platform, even prior to Elon Musk taking it over. It was the most free platform of all the major players, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? See, I think as bad as this thread sounds, I think it's way worse because of the implications. You think the bureaucracy at Twitter was huge? What about at YouTube? What about at Facebook? All of those layers of bureaucracy ripe, ripe to be co-opted by whoever, whoever. So that's kind of my big takeaway. As far as the technical side of this, yeah, I mean, it's just the thing that the code has got to be a behemoth. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know that I'm a computer programmer, but that, that thing has got to be just, um, just a, a, a labyrinth of, uh, an unending labyrinth. I would say, you know, at this point, they might be better served just tearing it down. At some point, isn't the sale in breach? Like, the, he he was negotiating all on full disclosure of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This seems like an issue of you didn't fully disclose. You're hiding something from me. You're lying. I I do think there was such an environment there promoting promoting this, and it permeated down to such a molecular yeah. level that they probably did reveal to him much of the 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 board itself what they had their direct hands on or at least or at least without pointing him to those matters handed over the documentation that allowed him to find it and that's where we're getting our twitter files right but i absolutely believe there's 28 year old 31 year old skinny jean obsessed you know white woke losers um you know living in mom mom's basement dwellers that were just running their own empires and fiefdoms within that structure without any accountability or anything whatsoever. Just, you know, uh, I, I don't like this or I don't like that. I'm going to make my own decision. And no one told them no. I do think that had a huge impact in this. The inmates were running the asylum. All right, Pop Culture Tuesdays next. Watching a new show here on Blaze TV, Primetime with Alex Stein, because sometimes the only way to survive the insanity of the spirit of the age is to mock it mercilessly. And if there is anything that Alex is known for doing, 
It is certainly that. Did you guys see the the in, the interaction him and Whitlock had last week? No. Some group I don't I don't know who they are. Some group had given uh, Alex its award for Grifter of the Year, and I only found out about it because Alex tweeted it out. Of course, <laughs> I would not have known. <laughs> okay, I only found out about it because he tweeted it out, so it was in my timeline. And his reply was, "If you think if you think I was Grifton this year, next year, I'm going to be the first person to win this thing back to back." All right. And Whitlock, respond, Whitlock responded as, as only he can in a very dry way. Congratulations, Alex. Keep grifting. <laughs> just, just, oh, I don't know why it made me. I, I mean, I laughed about that for like 15 minutes. I thought that was so funny. Anyway, um, this is unscripted comedy that uh, trolls the ridiculous woke ideology, but we do repeat ourselves. So if you want to take advantage of it right now, uh, this is the promo code, really? Pimp on a blimp. Pimp on a blimp is the promo code. I just went with Dace. My, my promo code was just Dace. Maybe that's why he's winning awards. He came up with Pimp on a Blimp for a promo code, and I just went with my lame one-syllable name. Pimp on a Blimp is the promo code right now to get $20 off your Blaze TV subscription. So an even bigger discount at blazetv.com slash primetime. That's where you can go, and it is debuting here on Blaze TV starting on February the 8th. Did you guys see the video he did last week where he went to um, Buckingham Palace? No. no. And started trolling the guards there that don't react because of Prince Andrew and Epstein Island. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just, these guards are like, who the bleep is this guy when he's yelling at him about Prince Andrew and Epstein Island? It's, it's actually pretty funny. Oh, and a bunch of you are are emailing me constantly about last Thursday's show not posting to Rumble. We I have no idea. And we don't know why. We, we have tried multiple times. It's the only day this has ever happened, all the days before and all the days after. The devil doesn't want you to see, doesn't want Rumble users to see last Thursday's show for some odd reason. I, I don't. We've, we've tried uploading it, starting over multiple times. It just won't load. Weird. I don't. I don't know. I was told by Rumble that they were like migrating to encoding servers, and I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Friday show went up just fine, got up there pretty quickly. I, I, don't, I don't know. Did we do something on Thursday that was especially offensive to hell? So they're we woke doing up. everything? Yeah, we woke up. Nice. Speaking of offensive to hell, I wanted to close with this. We have, we have done quite a bit in the last couple of years on this show to challenge you, but particularly you, the men, to be men. And I did an interview during a, when I was out in Phoenix for America Fest in December with Epic Times. Man, they must have really liked that interview, brother, because they have republished it in like five different forms. I get a Google alert on that interview every day for like a week and a half. All right. They, I mean, I must have done something that tickled their fancy over at Epic Times because they are pumping the heck out of that interview. But a lot of it is me calling out men that a lot of what is going on in our culture today, go back to the conversation we have with Troy Miller at NRB, who are most of the people in our pulpits 
who should be all the people actually in our pulpits. Who are who, who should that be? Men. So everything that's going on in the culture today is because of the failure of men. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have, I think it's two of the founders of Moms for Liberty on the show tomorrow, right? In two days. No, Thursday, because today's Tuesday. So on Thursday's show, we're going to have a couple of the founders from Moms for Liberty. Terrific group. Here's a, I can promise you, however, that in 1954, or 1953, since 2023, in 1953, really probably no other decade prior to, say, the 2000s, would it have been necessary to form a Moms for Liberty group in America? Wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been necessary. Because all the stuff that they go after and confront, we would have had to stop dads from hurting people when confronting it. We would have had to tone them down. We would have had to say, we have the shotguns at home and let's not form posses. Any other era of America, that's how the men would have reacted to the stuff that Moms for Liberty is confronting now. Everything, everything in American decline, Western decline, can be pointed to one thing only. The mouth of the river. It has many tributaries, many manifestations, but the mouth of the river is the failure of the strength of men, the failure of the courage of the men. The failure of the conviction of the men. The failure of the initiative of the men. Everything. Feminism. Failure of men. Too many dads walked out on their babies. Too many dads, either, or, or were, they, they stuck around, were emotionally disconnected from their kids. Set the stage for feminism. Everything. Everything goes back to the failure of men. Sin itself. Adam given dominion over the creation. Just sits there like a bump on a log looking at his smoke show wife while the enemy takes her to task. It always comes down to the failure of the men. So when we have an example of one who didn't fail, but set the example instead, we should highlight it. And it's not often that Pop Culture Tuesday is the segment for that, (laughs) okay? where we look at the intersection between pop culture and the things that as conservatives were supposedly trying to conserve. But praise God, this week it is such a time. Novak Jokovic is one of the greatest tennis players of all time. And he was probably on his way. You know, we've had this run over the last, well, really in the 2000s. Uh, Pete Sampras set the new mark for most Grand Slam, those are the major tournaments for those of you who don't follow tennis, Australia, France, Wimbledon, uh, and the U.S. Open. Um, And so Pete Sampras in the early 2000s set that original mark for most career majors won. And then about, um, you know, a, a decade and a half later, Roger Federer dusted that record. Rafael Nadal just surpassed, I think, last year, Roger Federer, or 21. Novak Djokovic would have dusted all these guys. On the pace he was on pre-COVID, he would have, he'd already owned that record, and he's still in the prime of his career. Nadal's had a lot of... Federer's basically done. Nadal's had a lot of injuries. He's on the downside. Djokovic is still at near-peak performance. He's still ranked number one in the world, or just actually reclaimed that, that mantle. If it weren't for COVID... He might have the Jack Nicholas kind of record that he has in golf for the most majors, one there that Tiger Woods was chasing. 
even with COVID, he still tied it this past weekend in the Australian Open. Why was it COVID? Well, they played these events the last few years, guys. It's just he wasn't allowed in most of them because he wouldn't take the poisonous mRNA toxic spike protein jab. So government did what his peer group, his fellow competitors on the tennis circuit could not, took him out. And the first place that this happened, I believe, was last year or the 21 Australian Open, I believe, is the first time that it happened. Isn't that the one where he was deported, if I recall? Yeah. Yeah, he was there to compete, and they de- ended up deporting him yeah. before, right, right, either as the event was beginning or before he was about to play. He stood his ground. He put his principles ahead of accomplishment, significance. Here in, here in the United States, maybe our greatest athlete of the 21st century, Tiger Woods, we watched him sacrifice his family, his marriage. We watched him sacrifice all of it on the on the on the, on the altar of beating Jack Nichols, Nicholas's record for most majors to the point it nearly destroyed him. Jokovic didn't do that. He never abandoned his principles. He kept his open hand princip- open hand positions and closed hand convictions separate. Stuck to his guns. And now, he's number one in the world again. Now he has tied Rafael Nadal for most major championships ever won. And given where Nadal is at with his career and where Jokovic is with his, he's going to end up owning that record all by himself when it's all said and done. Which if you're ever trying to figure out who's the greatest tennis player ever, You might want to start with who's won more majors than anyone ever before. The ones that count the most, where everybody gives it their best shot. All the best in the world play one another. A And and by the way, this wasn't something he did with subtlety. How many interviews has he done? I mean, he he has not just, you know what, those are my convictions. You have yours. I'm going to be quiet over here and do my thing. That's hard enough to get the men to do that. He has actually gone to the microphone to defend and debate, to go on offense. That is an example of masculine initiative and courage and conviction that we just don't see a lot of today. Not in the West. And that's why the West is on the endangered species list as we speak right now. So I wanted us to spend a few minutes doing something we rarely get to do. Tip the hat. Well done, good and faithful servant. Todd, your thoughts? Well, Invincible Ignorance was going to have its uh, day no matter what, because did you did you hear the uh, announcing of it as he was cheering in the stands? He went into the stands, I assume, with his family mm-hmm. celebrating. Well, it's John McEnroe, one of the greatest of all time, and Chris Fowler football guy and McEnroe I I don't know anything about him being anti this vax any vax or anything like that but I think he pretty much came against like the mandate this is ridiculous and stupid he came I remember him criticizing 
a lot of this a year ago. Yep, he and thought then, he he opposed banning Jokovic from the U.S. Yes. Open a year ago, which the United States did. Yes, and so he was commenting on that again, and then Fowler had to get in there. Well, to be fair, he made his choices. Chris, see this, and this is the point. Yes, he did. Chris Fowler, Mister Hey, I'm around football, man's man game. You're a sheep. You believe you're defined your sense of being a man as comply, follow, never rock the boat. You're pathetic. Having to get that in, choices were made. Yes, that's why people will remember him, and no one will remember you unless it's because you're sniveling and a coward and never learned anything from all those years commenting on football. Yes, choices are made to play a violent game because it's amazing to be a part of it. As George Washington once said, it's something charming once the bullets start flying. No, you've learned nothing. Comply. Dulcet tones. Beige. Colors. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach. You are incapable of learning anything from this. Because you serve a master that is not in heaven every single day. It's just abundantly clear. And I don't know what your faith testimony is or anything like that. But your default setting is to cowardice and compliance. And that has nothing to do with the commands of heaven. Yep, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Chris Fowler, you made a choice. And and we're really using Chris Fowler as kind of an, an amalgam, an icon, if you will, for the thousands and millions of what was Karen's husband named Neil? Is that what we decided? The thousands and <laughs> millions. Like, if we of haven't, we just decided it now because it's perfect. Tacky yeah. pant wearing Neils who think that Ivan Perovov, I cannot pronounce his last name, think that he made a choice as well. He has a choice. The consequences is you're going to be the subject of a week long media onslaught. But you made your choice. You have a choice. You notice when the the subject of choice is brought up, well, he made a choice. She made a choice. The, uh, the supposed consequences for said choice only seem to hurt one type of person, unless, of course, we're talking about uh, the choice to murder your unborn baby, but, well, that's another topic. They, they always seem to hurt one type of person. And that's the person that dares to buck the narrative. It always seems to hurt just one person. So for the Chris Fowlers, the Neils of the world as well, I, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. You all have made a choice as well. The consequences of that choice are what he just said. You are an insignificant little pissant and no one will ever remember you. That's the choice that you're making. Because you just could not be bothered to be uncomfortable, to get outside of the narrative. So, congratulations. That's your reward, and you will receive it in full. My hat is off to you. By the way... The Serbian Orthodox Church um, claims Novak Jokovic as a member, as like an active member in good standing. 
um, like tither member. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think much of our masculine conviction comes from a belief in a power above ourselves. It clarifies things. It it shows us there's more to the there's more to the world than just the next experience or the next accomplishment. Um it puts true legacy in context. Doesn't mean, you know, we've seen we've seen atheists show a lot of conviction. Twentieth century was full of that. Killed a lot of people most of the time we saw it. But we did see it, right? Yeah. But not always, but most of the time, the overwhelming majority of time, this kind of righteous level of conviction in the face of all kinds of skepticism and scrutiny and mockery is a result of your faith and a recognition that there is a world beyond this one and a power beyond yourself. That clarity leads to conviction. And that is a clarity and a conviction that is missing in too many of the men of the West in this era. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.